Everyday consumers are being bombarded with the next big thing in health, wellness, and fitness. What's the future of keeping ourselves healthy, and what's just a passing fad? Hi, I'm Joey Thurman, and if you don't know me, I'm a health and fitness expert and author. I've been fortunate enough to work with celebrities, athletes, C-suite executives, and everyone in between. I've been featured on the Today Show, Live with Kelly and Ryan, Good Morning America, TEDx, and lots of other publications. As part of my ever-increasing thirst for knowledge, which ironically happened after college, I decided to create the Fatter Future podcast. What sets this podcast apart is that I am the guinea pig for these episodes. I don't only want to bring in world-class experts on the show, I want to truly get a first-hand experience what it's like to, say, go on ketamine and trip for my depression, go on a three-day fast drinking nothing but coffee and water for age reversal, eat nothing but plants and get the blood work done to back it up, or even get my brain mapped to see how messed up my head is from getting knocked around playing hockey. Once I try these things, I bring on the experts to talk about my experience and explain it to the audience in a digestible manner and ask the true question. Is it a fad or is it the future? Because after all, we don't want to be fatties. Welcome back to another episode of the Fatter Future Podcast. I'm Joey Thurman and my producer said, let's call the name of this episode Benjamin Button dot 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 for real. <laughs> We're talking age reversal with my friend, Dr. Alex Paziotopoulos. So, Dr. Alex is an MD. He's done all sorts of things. He can study monkeys. He does Kung Fu. He does yoga. He probably does some sort of aerial acrobatics. I don't know. He, he's, he's nodding. He, 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 probably, he probably does this shit. <laughs> all right, Dr. Alex, a little background about yourself. And we're going to talk about how we are going to reverse our age because everybody wants to look prettier and we don't necessarily need to put a bunch of needles in our face, right? No. No. Well, I mean, it depends what you want. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Just a quick thing. My background is environmental science and I studied primates. And then later on, I became a yoga teacher and started studying Shaolin martial arts. I really enjoyed that and I saw lots of people heal themselves through those modalities. Wanted to take that to the next step and use the tools that are available to MDs. So, did some biochemistry and some um, neuroscience, ended up going to medical school. Then I got a residency in family practice because I wanted to have, I wanted to be an all-rounder so mm -hmm. that I could incorporate everything and not be limited. The family practice residency I did was integrative medicine and residency through the University of Arizona so I can get some integrative training. At the same time, I started American Academy Anti-Aging Medicine Fellowship. So, they did regenerative medicine, anti-aging, what they call it, or functional medicine. Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many names to that stuff. And then later did a stem cell fellowship and started working in peptides. And more recently, I started working with a group called Revolution Against Aging and Death. You can go to age-reversal.net and you can see the physicians that have been using these protocols to reverse age or just beginning this type of medicine. So, it's literally been only like a year okay. that these protocols have come out. So, you own the uh, Pazio Institute in Chicago, pazioinstitute.com, P-A-Z-I-O, to give him a, you know, not shameless plug. That's a good plug, man. <laughs> so, people come into your clinic and they say, I want to feel younger. I want to look younger. I want to be better. I mean, what is age reversal? And you said there's a, there's a lots of names to it. I mean, how do you see that? I mean, is it on a cellular level? Is it just, you know, aesthetics? What happens when somebody wants to essentially, you know, be younger? Great question. So, right now we're just doing the protocols with people that are over the age of 50. Okay. 
not that the people that are younger can't do the things to help them not age quickly, but the aggressive age reversal stuff is with the older groups. Most of the reasons why you age, at least scientifically and molecularly, have been found. The Methuselah Foundation put out a grant, you know, where you know you're going to get paid. I forget, I forget how many thousands or a million dollars or something like that if you can find out another molecular way why you age. And nobody's done that in over a decade. Wow. So we think that we're pretty close to knowing why you age. There are mechanisms in nature, different single-celled organisms or fungi or whatever that have solved some of these problems. So it's just using what we already know in nature and bringing it into our bodies so that we can be near immortal. So it's not really science fiction. It's just engineering problem now. So we need to take these answers and apply them to our physiology so that we can live these really long extended lives. We thought that in Aubrey de Grey, you can look him up. He's everywhere. So he's been leading this whole movement of why we age and what we're going to do about it. He has this corporation that's called the SENS Institute okay. I mean, that works closely with this thing called the Buck Institute. And there's a lot of groups around age reversal right now. There's a lot of institutes. Yeah. Seven different main reasons why you age. We thought they're all kind of equal, mm -hmm. but it stands out that there's one group and it's called senolytic cells. So senolytic cells, everyone has them. They're important when you're like before you're born in the way that your body creates itself and moves cells around. After that, senolytic cells don't, we don't really think they have that much of a use. There's some, but not very many. Mostly they cause a lot of problems. So a senolytic cell is a cell that no longer takes information from other cells and acts as a part of the group. Kind of like cancer does whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. And it releases these really nasty enzymes that degrade cells around it and can turn those cells into cells like it. So they call it the zombie cell. And the older you get, the more you have, which goes along with this phenomenon that the older you get, the faster you get old. And you can see this, like you take a person that goes from 20 to 30 and you don't really see a big change in their body and what they're capable of doing. There's plenty of professional athletes at 30, right? Right. So, you can perform really well. There's a lot less at 40. So, that's why people are saying, oh, once I hit 40, it all it was all downhill from there. Essentially, you mean, we're like cars, right? We've got, we build up all this mileage. So, essentially, we're building up these zombie cells and at, at some point, it's too much. Absolutely. And and they're expanding exponentially. Okay. So, that whole older you get, the faster you get old. Yeah. You know, you, you see this 70-year-old guy golfing all the time. He's very active on this stuff. And then you see him 10 years later and you're like, oh, that's not the same person, right? So, right. that 10 years was far greater impact than the 10 years that from 20 to 30. Is that what people see? Like, you, you, may, you maybe go to some sort of a high school reunion or something like what in the hell did you just do the past 10 years? You aged 20 years the past 10 years and you know some people look great and this could be a good reason why. Sure. Now, some people have really good genetics. So, like, you know, oh, all my grandparents lived to be 100. Well, your chances are you got those genes too. Right. Right. And your average person has genes that live to be about 80. Now, what's really cool is that there's this thing called calorie restriction. And it's worked on every single living organism on the planet that we've tested it on, whether it's a single-celled organism or a primate. And it's basically if you reduce calories about 15% of normal calorie intake, you live longer and you live with less disease less Alzheimer's and even less graying. So, that's 
fantastic, very, very difficult to do with a human. Right. Right. They're just people don't like that. So if their you know, basal metabolic rate is 2000 calories, you need to take 15% off of that. And if they can live like that for the rest of their lives, it's likely as far as the research is, is pointing to, towards that they're going to live a, a healthier, longer life. Right. Maybe 15% longer. Right. With less disease. And more importantly, like what we try to really focus on is trying to avoid decrepitness at the end of life. Your average person is decrepit for almost a decade before they die. Yeah, man. I don't want to be those old people that's laying on the bed and, you know, I'm in a breathing tube and, you know, somebody's going to change my damn diaper and, you know, wipe my ass and all that sort of shit. I'd, I'd rather die moving around feeling good. I'd, you know, rather that last day, if it's a good day, you know, well, probably not a good day because my last day. Great. But I don't want to be like I'm a deathbed for 10 years. It's horrible. Right. And, you know, with the technology we have now with replacing your hormones, with making sure that your metabolism stays well, you don't have a lot of inflammation. Instead of this rapid decline near the end of your life where you lose a lot of muscle mass and you lose your strength and your balance goes down and your cognitive stuff goes down, all that, you maintain a slower slope of degradation so that you maintain a good quality of life to the end and then you, as my grandmother would say, you die like a bird. Right. Right. That's the goal. Now, the long-term goal in 40 or 50 years is you become immortal. Right, which brings up all kinds of other ethical questions, which you can just Google Aubrey de Grey and you can answer most of those for you. <laughs> <laughs> what we're looking at right now in the clinic is what can people do on their own to help reduce the amount of senescent cells that are in their body? And what you can do is water fasting. Mm -hmm. So that five-day water fast every three months after you've been checked out, obviously, right? Okay. That helps your body get rid of senolytic cells. So that's helping with cell turnover? So you're, you're you're getting rid of uh, the bad zombie you're getting rid cells. Of some of those bad cells. You're okay. doing some intracellular cleanup, okay. some extracellular cleanup. You're running enzymes on your DNA to look for damage. It's basically you're turning on the maintenance crew. Okay. Those genes get turned on about 48 hours into a water fast. Mm. So you see, like a lot of people are like, "Oh, I do a one day water fast. Or I do a two day water fast." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's great," but you're not turning on those genes necessary to do the cleanup and get rid of senescent cells. Okay. So, four to eight hours into basically just drinking water and you could have a little bit of black coffee. Yeah. Okay. Or herbal teas. Okay. And then after that, what happens? So, then your genes change and, and it's not that your genes change, which genes are turned on and what off. Mm -hmm. Think of your genes more like software Okay. and what programs are running. So, when you're eating multiple meals a day and you're running all that, you're running all the metabolism genes. When you're fasting, you're running error correction genes. And what's fantastic about that is not only is it looking for errors, it's kind of like if you had the factory running 24 hours a day, after a while, everything would be haywire because mm -hmm. nobody's cleaning the floors, no one's repairing things, no one's doing maintenance on the machines, all that kind of stuff. Right. So, when you're doing this, you're turning on all those genes at a much higher level than they're normally running at night. Because some of these genes get turned on at night, but not to the level of extent that they do during a water fast. Mm -hmm. So, you can manage senolytic cells in that way. And you also want to lower your long-term release of growth hormone. And you know, in the biohacking world, there's all these people that are trying to jack up their growth hormone. And I like to tell people, it's like, yes, you will feel amazing if you jack up your growth hormone, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing as burning the candle at both ends. It's really bright, but it's not bright for long. Right. And you're also going to be growing cancer, senolytic cells, and all types of other things. We don't want to grow after we're grown. 
We want to slow it down as much as possible. Right. We look at these studies of these people that get to live to be like 100 and their growth hormone levels are really, really low. Now, it doesn't mean that at night they don't have a nice spike of growth hormone. Right. That's what you want. But during the day, you want it to be really low. So, that's one of the things that we also manage and it's the one thing that you can manage on your own by doing intermittent fasting, you know, trying to eat an eight-hour window. And the most important part of that is not eating four hours before you go to bed. Okay. Because that ends up messing around with delta sleep and all kinds of other stuff and releasing of all these hormones at night. Right. Your body's still trying to metabolize it, you know, so you're still digesting that. So, essentially, you say don't go to bed hungry might be the exact opposite of what we should be saying. So, you maybe you should go to bed hungry. Absolutely. Now, there's some other things you can do. Life extension cells, quercetin that you can take once a week. Okay. Super safe. You know, quercetin is just a, a molecule that occurs in nature. So, you can help with that. Now, on our side, what we're trying to do with the age reversal is we're looking at all the different mechanisms that we know of that can help you live longer. Okay. If you look up these things called parabiosis studies, it's this guy in the 70s and, you know, physiologists do weird things. He took an old mouse and a young mouse and he hooked their circulatory systems together. And what happened was the young mouse became older and the old mouse became younger. They had no idea why. Repeated the study so many times and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And it happens to do with some of these peptides that are in the serum of the young mouse. Hmm. And these peptides are the highest at birth. So, now that we're able to get this from umbilical cord blood and be able to concentrate it, that's one of these future things. It's not quite available to everyone yet, but it's one of those things that we're going to have access to in the future. Wow. So, a peptide is just a compilation of amino acids, correct? Yeah. So, you know, you, everyone hears proteins and peptides. Right. If you take amino acids to the building blocks of all life and you put together 50 of them or less, it's a peptide. Okay. And if it's more than 50, then it's a protein. Okay. And they can signal things that peptides can turn genes on, you know, by hitting promoters. They can do all kinds of stuff. They can signal things to happen in your body. That's why we use them. Okay. I think there's over 4,000 peptides now that have been identified that are constantly in circulation in your body. Wow. So, it's an emerging field and we're using them more and more. And they're very safe because they already occur in your body. Okay. So, this is something that just, just turning on a specific process in your right. body. Okay. So, like maybe a peptide that helps with healing of soft tissue or our immune system, things like that, right? Sure. Okay. And then for age reversal, there's a few things that we're looking at. One of them is what we're saying, like decreasing growth. Mm -hmm. If you look at an old person, their ears and their nose are bigger when they're older than when they were younger. Right. So, like your ears, your nose, cancer and senolytic cells grow your whole life. We want to reduce that. So, reducing calories is great, intermittent fasting is great, water fasting is great. But we now have an ability to turn off those genes for around growth. And the one gene in particular is this one called mTOR, molecular target of rapamycin. So, rapamycin is an old drug that they used you know, for kidney transplant and stuff like that. And they found that if you pulse it once a week, that you can turn down that mTOR almost to zero. So, what do you mean by pulsing it? Pulsing it would be taking it once a week. Okay. It was originally designed to be taken daily, uh -huh. but you can take a low dose once a week and really suppress this growth. Now, if you did that constantly, you'd end up becoming frail. Okay. So, we'll do it for 12 weeks on, four weeks off, 12 weeks on, four weeks off, as long as you're in that age group that needs that. Just indefinitely. Until we come up with something else. Right now, right. the pharmaceuticals are in development for drugs like rapamycin. Mm -hmm. They're spending an enormous amount of money in this because it is the future of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. 
all of age reversal is going to be big, big money because of the inevitability of it. Right. And most people are just not aware of it. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's now it's almost a matter of of when. Of when and who the players are going to be. Right. Is it the fat or is it the future? <laughs> I didn't see how I did that. Nice. <laughs> All right. So, we want to do a water fast. You can work on these different things. You know, peptides. What else are you doing? I mean, and, and you say age reversal. So, I mean, we're obviously not and you're slowing down that aging process so on a cellular level. So this can you is, check to yeah. see if I'm younger? So this is the difference between now and you know just a few years ago. Mm-hmm. We had anti-aging, which was working on slowing the process of aging down. That has limits. So at the best, maybe you could slow down aging. You know, with our current models, maybe twenty to thirty percent. So it's a losing battle. Mm-hmm. But reversing age is a much better way to go about it. Right. So, this is just our very first thing. So, lowering mTOR is one of it. Okay. Replacing this one energy molecule called NAD. So, it's all over the news, mm-hmm. NAD. So, NAD infusions, NAD taking it by mouth, all kinds of stuff like that. NAD is an energy molecule made in the Krebs cycle. Mm-hmm. You make a lot less of it as you get older. So, like a 20-year-old might make levels of like 60 or so and a 70-year-old might make levels of like four. Right. So, NAD is going gonna, is, gonna to help with our energy system yeah. essentially. So, and if you're having with, le- lack of NAD, you're not going to be right. as active. It's like, and- you know, if you took so much energy away from a factory, what's the factory going to do? It's just going to be able to do the essential functions, but it's not going to be able to do everything else. Okay. Expensive functions of your body are like your immune system. So, when your body doesn't have a lot of energy, its ability to fight sickness and get rid of cancer and stuff like that are just compromised. Right. So, replacing the energy is a really big part. Right now, we're working with um, really low-dose chemotherapy twice a year to help get rid of senescent cells. So, there's some really cool things that we're doing now, mm-hmm. but there's even cooler things coming in the future. So, that's you know one of the things that we really work on at the Institute is trying to figure out when is it safe to use these new modalities from science mm-hmm. into a clinical practice so that we're using non-toxic strategies to help people live a longer, healthier life. So, if they're living longer and healthier, what, what about the musculoskeletal system and what's happening with that? So, if we're living longer, are our joints able to keep up? Is the muscular system able to keep up? What can we do to make sure that we're able to move around as well? Sure. A big problem. You know, uh, older people lose a lot of their muscle mass. Mm-hmm. Part of keeping that muscle mass on there is maintaining testosterone levels. Mm-hmm. So, that works really well. There are molecular targets that they're working on now. There's a gene called the myostatin gene. There's a, a woman, her name's Liz Parrish, and she runs a company called BioViva. And she was one of the first people to get the gene to turn that back on. She stopped working out for a year. They did an MRI of her thigh mm-hmm. and saw like how much fat and muscle is in the quads and the hamstrings and all that kind of stuff. One year later, they did another MRI of her not working out anymore. And she gained muscle mass and lost fat in her leg. She's um, going to put me out of business. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going back and delete that lady's name because they don't pay no But functionally, you still have to work out and yeah, do that sure. stuff to make it functional. But she just wanted to show the effect yeah. of genetic therapy. Genetic therapy is going to be enormous in the future. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's like a million dollars per shot right. to get these genes inserted into your body. 
and we still don't have a lot of safety on it. We think it's fairly safe, but there's a lot of things that can go wrong. That's for the future. We're not there yet. But this is in like, the future, this is you're, like Wolverine you're, shit. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, this I mean, is crazy. It's it's going to be crazy. And what I tell most people is like, do everything you can. Yes. Is this expensive? Yes. Is it worth it? I believe so. Because yeah. even without adding the technology from the future, just by doing what we have now, you can live a much better quality of life up into the point where you might have to die. Yeah. And now we also have a way of stopping time and it's through cryogenics. So there's a company out there, it's called Alcor. So you're going to freeze me and wake me up in 50 years? Pretty much. <laughs> so Child. now you can wear a bracelet and it's about, I mean, I haven't looked at pricing lately, but I think it's around $250,000 to join. Oh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> at the time of death, they replace all of your blood with a biological antifreeze. And it's the first time ever we've been able to freeze tissue without causing crystal formation. So that means that all the proteins from your memory and all your DNA and everything's intact, but in a frozen state. And they keep you like around four degrees above absolute zero. So basically time stopped for you. So then when the technology comes to be able to revive you, you'll whoa, come whoa, back into the world. Whoa, pump the brakes here, Doc. <laughs> so, so when I'm about to die, or is this when I'm dead? Legally, right now, it's when you're about to die. Okay. Now, if you are in international waters, so which, okay. there are people creating these like special yachts for people that can. Of course, there are. Because <laughs> why wouldn't there be people creating fucking yachts where you go, so where you go freeze you, yourself? If you had a chronic illness, you could just choose to be, you know, sedated and then frozen, which would be better than if you died and then tried yeah. to be frozen. Okay. So I'm. Close to dying, unless I'm in international <laughs> waters. We're, we're going we're gonna to set the tone here, right? Close to dying, unless I'm in international waters. And then you are going to basically freeze me internally, right? Kind yeah. of. You know, if I'm dumbing this down a little bit here. And then we're waiting until there's a cure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is a thing. The <laughs> Right. And up to this point, it was really just science fiction, right? And wow. anyone that was frozen, there was too much damage cellularly, yeah. really at, at the molecular level that nobody could really bring you back. But now we can freeze the tissue, keeping all those molecules from breaking from crystal formation. So, so are there people now just like frozen somewhere? Yeah. Just hanging out? Just go to the Alcor website. And they're just frozen, hanging out. Like, what, what movie was that where they were just, you were walking down? <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure there's a multitude of movies where people are just frozen waiting for something. All right. Anything else that we can do to help reverse our aging? Yeah. So, reversing, kind of tough, yeah. right? Do those things that we talked about, you yeah. know, the intermittent fasting, the calorie restriction, those mm -hmm. types of th stuff that can help you. Be careful with calorie restriction if you're going to go really hardcore because you need to watch your metabolism. Right. Because when you drop calories, you want to make sure that your nutrition stays high. Right. You want to make sure you have that nutri nutrient density. You can't just have, you know, let's say your maintenance calories is 2,000. You can't have 1,800 calories of candy bars. Right. Because you're not going to get enough vitamins. But what about the minimum effective dose for working out? Like, is there something that people can do to essentially make sure that they only have a limited amount of time. Because if we're doing all this sort of stuff to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're taking all these things, we're doing the fasting, what's your recommendation for the minimum effective dose for exercise to make sure they're moving around and, and their muscle fibers and their tissues are you know, staying strong? Yeah. So, you know, if you're working with a good trainer, you can find out how many calories am I expending in these types of workouts, right? right? Which depends on your output. 
If you're doing a bunch of heavy squats and deadlifts that day, your energy expenditure is extremely high. Right. You, that, that's good. Excess post-exercise oxygen consumption. Right. So, your, your metabolism is going to go up during yeah. 24 or 36 hours, whatever study you're looking at. Same thing. If, you know, you go out and you do, you know, a bunch of intervals and you ran, you know, eight 100-yard dashes, that's mm-hmm. a huge stress on your body. So, you need to have enough calories for that. Okay. When you take your calories is really important and how you get them in. I really emphasize to a lot of patients, like, don't focus so much on protein, mm-hmm. but on the quality amino acids that you need post-workout. Right. And also, you need some sugars. And right after you've done an explosive type of workout like that, like squats or sprints or something like that, you've depleted the glycogen in your muscles. Right. Glycogen is stored form of carbohydrates. Yes. So, you can have sweets. You have a 20-minute window right after your last set. Mm-hmm. All the sugar that you put in and you know, upwards, depending on how hard you worked out and what level of athlete you are, upwards of one to 200 grams of sugar you could take in and it'll all go right back into the muscle. Mm-hmm. It won't affect, you know, your insulin that much. It won't affect your A1C or your long-term stores, right. you know, control of, of sugars and things like that. And you can take a lot of amino acids, five to 10 grams of branch chains right at that point. I also like right before bed fasting to take an amino acid that was created by French scientists for burn patients. It's called ornithine alpha ketoglutarate. It's actually pretty old. Uh, OKG? OKG. OKG. This helps that spike of growth hormone at night without Mm -hmm. maintaining growth hormone at a high level and also helps with what we call nitrogen balance. So, when you work out really hard, you release a lot of nitrogen into your body. Mm -hmm. Or if you're on a really high protein diet, you have a lot of nitrogen in your body. So, this negatively affects organ health. I know me when you did my labs, my my nitrogen was a little bit higher because I predominantly eat plants, but I, you know, every now and then I like bacon or I like eating, you know, some, you know, quote, quote, unquote, typical standard source of protein. So for me, I was having a lot, you know, but I'm a couple hundred pounds and I work out hard. So for you helping with that nitrogen balance and, you know, having that OKG, which by the way is super cheap to purchase, having that when I have a hard workout, I did notice the next day, even if I did a two a day where I did a leg day followed by, you know, a cycling class or I taught something, I did feel much better than I normally would as far as that build up and that tightness, you know, and generally my you know quads be really sore, my hamstrings or glutes. Yeah, it's fantastic, you know. And what's not on the market much is a good essential amino acid mix. You'll find a lot of branch chains. You'll find like specific amino acids, but mm-hmm. not a really good generalized amino acid mix. There are a few out there. Mm-hmm. I really like to promote those more than protein, right? Just because of the bioavailability. So, and that can always help stuff. But as far as age reversal goes and maintaining age, these are all just things that help you towards that. Not working out too hard. So, it's you want to have a stimulus and then let your genes do the work. Okay. So, what would the minimum that you recommend for somebody in a week to work out, you know, a couple of days of resistance training or maybe doing some, doing a deadlift. So, you're actually activating that posterior chain. You're getting some trunk and some core activation. Although I'm not a huge fan of the word core and maybe some compound movements, you know, two, three days a week. And then maybe throw in some sprints in there and some light walking. Uh, What would your recommendation be? So, I like to do either yoga or a Tai Chi or something that's going to work on your range of motion, Mm -hmm. your attention, your breathing and linking your breathing to your movement as a daily practice, 
right? That is a great way to start your day. Right. It's also a really great way to end your day. Yeah. There's a lot of research on, you know, starting your day with, you know, whether it's transcendental meditation or yoga or something like that. So you can actually have that time for yourself, whether it's five minutes and you pull up some sort of you know, app on your phone where predominantly you, hopefully you don't use an you know app to do it. But if you need to, know, like a Headspace or an app like that, where you actually take that intention in the morning, that's fine. Maybe you get a little blue light in the morning. That's okay. But especially not before bed, but right. that makes a lot of sense. And then weight training with barbells. There's a lot of people, you know, like I get lots of clients come in and they're like, oh, I'm using these five or 10 pound weights. And I don't want to discourage them because they're doing something. Sure. But like when you pick up a bar that's twice as heavy as you mm-hmm. are, immediately your body responds to that. Right. And it makes your bones denser, makes your neuromuscular junctions more dense. I mean, like all these things happen. Whereas like, you know, you walk from here to Argentina and your body's like, yeah, whatever. Right. You know, it doesn't really make a profound change at a genetic level Mm -hmm. to, you know, make your bones denser, make you stronger, put on some more muscle mass on you, things like that. Right. So, the things that are important to me are the old school lifts, the deadlifts, the squats, overhead press standing, you know, your bench for dynamic work for younger people that are athletes that really do like cleans. All of these lifts really need to be studied well and you need to work with a trainer Mm -hmm. because if you're not protecting yourself, you can get hurt really bad. And like one of the things I'm always really cautious and I tell people about is when you're lifting something that's profoundly heavy, whether it's a couch or a barbell or anything, you hold your breath you pull your belly button back in towards your spine. You contract your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. You do the whole movement with a lot of mindfulness. You put the weight down and then you release. Right. I have these people and they have the wraps on their knees and they have these big weight belts on and people still get hernias because right. they're relying on this external device rather than learning how to hold mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah, so like a, lot, a lot of people I tried when they come in and they've got some weight training gloves and they're and they're wrapped up and yeah, I understand maybe you, you had a broken wrist or something and, and, and your grip or your range of motion in the wrist isn't there. That I could see where that has some validity, but at the same time, if, if you take those gloves off and you're picking up a bar, you're forced to brace, you're forced to engage your hand with strings and your glutes and your trunk and, and make sure that everything is stabilized and then you've got that muscle tension, that muscle stacking, which in turn is going to create the tension and the contraction in your muscles, which is going to work on the tendons, which is going to work on making your bones strong. We're lifting those pink weights a thousand times and going to these classes, not to knock them, but it's doing you a disservice. And in turn, you can also be changing your muscle fiber type as well. So we want, we want thick, powerful muscle fibers, you know, uh, those, those type two muscle fibers. So by doing too much cardio and all that sort of stuff and not picking up heavy weights every now and then you're doing yourself a little bit of disservice as far as in the long run and, and aging and making sure that, you know, your, your, your joints are strong and then you can pick something up without breaking a hip. Yeah. And, you know, not, I try to get people to, to separate what kind of workouts they're doing when, mm-hmm. so that you're not trying to repair from too many things at once. Right. So, you know, I like to separate the heavy weights from cardio, right? And as far as cardio is concerned, for health, it's intervals. Yep. Right. Anything beyond that is sports specific, which is great if you're right. into sports. But if you want to just have a good heart that can pump blood very well and you want to have explosive power and you want to keep your mitochondria, which are the organelles that live inside of all of your cells that make all the energy mm-hmm. for you. If you want to keep them healthy, you have to deplete their energy source. So mitochondria make 
they have two stores of energy. They have ATP and they have creatine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and if you're a bodybuilder, you've been taking creatine for a long time. Right. You have about four seconds of ATP. You have about four seconds of creatine. And this is the best scene in a hundred yard or a hundred meter sprint. Right. If you watch these Olympians, they come out of the blocks and they accelerate, they accelerate, they accelerate, they accelerate. And then about eight seconds in, eight and a half, depends on whether you're Usain Bolt or somebody that's right. normal, you start to taper off and right. you're no longer accelerating. And they're holding speed, right. but they're not accelerating anymore because they don't have any more power. Right. So, at that point, your mitochondria are freaking out because they depend on having this energy store, right? Which is why if you walk from here to Argentina, you would never even touch those stores because right. you're not at that level of output. That's the stimulus for them to divide, make more of themselves and to become bigger because they can actually become larger in size. You know, there's not a lot of lab tests that I can get to measure your mitochondrial density or size. Mm -hmm. So, what we rely on is just people doing the right kind of exercises to maintain mitochondrial density in populations. So, if when you're taking some of these classes and if they say sprint for 30 seconds, that's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot sprint for 30 seconds. You can run hard for 30 seconds. You can try to maintain your maximum speed for 30 seconds, but that's not going to happen. Yeah. Eight seconds. I mean, there's some studies that go a little bit higher, like maybe Usain Bolt can go for 12 or 15 seconds. Maybe he can, but that 20 yards, he's max speed right there. And then he's, if you, if you notice when he was running and he was turning around and watching people, he was literally just coasting at that point. People thought like, oh, he's not going hard. No, that is as hard as he could go. So, maybe he could have squeezed out a fraction of a second more if he would have not turned his head and rotated his torso. <laughs> but I mean, the, the dude's beating everybody by like a second in the Olympics, which is crazy. So, hitting those sprints, you know, to reiterate, is, is very important. And as for me, I like people doing that. And we, and we talked about this you know, before the show outside. So, there is some resistance mode. So, your body has to react against the ground and you're working in that proprioception. So, the feeling on the bottom of your feet. So, you're accelerating through. So, you're actually using the posterior chain of your body. So, doing those sprints like once, twice a week? Twice a week would be great. Okay. You really want to maintain that because if you do it on a regular basis, you'll be able to do it in your old age. And mm-hmm. you're not going to be as fast as you were when you were younger. Right. But like having the ability to run an eight second all out sprint at 80 years old puts you well above everyone mm-hmm. in your age group. I want to right. see that race. Do you give me a bunch of eighty-year-old dudes and like sprint it out? No, I, want, <laughs> I want to see. I want. I want to see what those speeds are hitting. All right, once, twice a week, and you you can maintain that. Yeah, and that doesn't have to be something where you're going so hard that you're completely shot. But your your system needs to know that it's it's working as hard as it can safely. So I like people doing that sometimes on an incline. Because then on that incline, then you're getting more of that hamstring and that glute activation there and your body still will utilize up that ATP-CR system. Absolutely. So, that's going to be a little safer out there. So, for anti-aging, we want to do some yoga and have some mindfulness, some intention. Five-day water fast, chlorella, spirulina, you know, that's going to help detoxify the body. Uh, We want to make sure that we lift heavy things. What else yeah. you got for me? I mean, make sure you get your hormones balanced yep. by somebody that really knows what they're doing. And that it's not that MDs don't know what they're doing. They're just we never got training in medical school or residency mm-hmm. on how to do bioidentical hormone replacement. So make sure that your doctor is trained in functional medicine. Okay. 
It's just because it's a very specific way of doing it. So you can't just go to your regular doctor, you know, does your physicals and, you know, ask for a hormone yeah. panel. And some of them are doing it, but they don't have all this extra training. Right. And, you know, they're not getting environmental toxin panels and heavy metal panels. They're not doing saliva testing. They're not doing hormone metabolite testing. It gets a little bit more complicated, but it's for your own safety. Right. Because there's a lot of bad things that could be happening to you if you don't get your hormones replaced right. Okay. Like I'm really against a lot of topical testosterone. I use pellets. Mm -hmm. They're more cardioprotective. There's a lot of guys doing testosterone injections, which have more of a drug effect. Mm -hmm. You can get kind of addicted to it. You also see a lot more rage with stuff like that. Okay. So, there's reasons why we do what we do. Okay. And then just like with the mitochondria, like we were trying to stimulate them, there's supplements that help the mitochondria work better and you want to be able to have those on board. So, like at the Institute, we give people supplements four times a day, fasting in the morning with breakfast and dinner and then fasting before night because different things need to be absorbed at different times of the day and whether it's in a fasting state or in a fed state. Right, based on absorption. Yeah, something's fat soluble. You want to take it with a meal. Right. You know, something's not. You want to take it in the morning. And you've given these packets, which are great. You know, pretty much idiot proof. And I need as much idiot proof as possible. Doctor Alex Pazioinstitute.com, P-A-Z-I-O Institute.com. Age reversal, anti-aging, however you want to put it. Fat or future? Are you going to go to international waters just before you die, and are you going to freeze yourself? Fat or future? You let me know. Tell me what you need, what the next episode is going to be. We will have Dr. Alex back. Thank you so much. I'm Joey Thurman. This is the Fatter Future Podcast. To your health. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode with Dr. Alex Podziatopoulos. Man, I love saying his name. Be sure to follow the show on all socials at Fat or Future Podcast. You can troll me online at Joey Thurman Fit. Yeah, make sure to subscribe, like, share the show. It would help me out tremendously. And you know what would help you out? Don't be a fatty merchandise. Yes, that's right. Hoodies, hats, t-shirts, and beanies. That can be found at fatorfuture.com. And make sure to check back next week for the episode with Dr. Sam Afara. Brain training. Man, the guy did a brain map on me, and he can tell that I got beat up playing hockey, that I've suffered from depression, how messed up I am, and how he can fix it. You don't want to miss this episode.